come in my heart. Now let's lift our hands and worship the Lord again, would you? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God, you are so very good. We love you, God, so much. Praise the name of the Lord. From Deuteronomy, the ninth chapter, I want to start reading with verse 23. This is Moses addressing Israel concerning Israel's lack of trust in the Lord. Deuteronomy 9, 23, Likewise, when the Lord sent you from Kadesh Barnea, saying, Go up and possess the land which I have given you, then you rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God, and you believed him not, nor hearkened to his voice. You have been rebellious against the Lord from the day that I knew you. Thus I fell down before the Lord forty days and forty nights, as I fell down at the first, because the Lord had said he would destroy you. And then verse 26, I prayed therefore unto the Lord, and said, O Lord God, destroy not thy people and thine inheritance, which thou hast redeemed through thy greatness, which thou hast brought forth out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Remember thy servants Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Look not unto the stubbornness of this people, nor to their wickedness, nor to their sin, lest the land whence thou broughtest us out say, because the Lord was not able to bring them into the land which he promised them, and because he hated them, he had brought them out to slay them in the wilderness. God bless you. You may be seated. And I want to speak on the subject, God can if. And we just stop it there. God can if. Now we know the Bible tells us that God can do all things. Now, in preaching on faith, I made the statement one time, only God knows what cannot be done. And I preached on the subject, what God cannot do. Now, we know that God cannot lie. The Bible says that. But I've been preaching on the subject of choice. I, the last few messages, I've, I've uh, talked about this because... With this, we can deal with some of the great issues of life. God has given each of us a will. We can make decisions. And God has purposefully bound himself in certain areas not to violate certain aspects of your will. Now, Moses was saying, Lord... We do not want the people around us to say God was not able to take them into the promised land. Now, we know that God was able to. But His ability was contingent upon the little word, if. It has been defined as the smallest word, and yet with the biggest meaning, in the English language, if. If you believe. Now, the truth of the matter is, if they, 
did not have faith, and if they would not believe, God, even though He wanted to do this for them, but seeing that it would be a violation against their own desires, He says, I will not be able to do this because of your lack of faith. So Moses prays this prayer. He is concerned about the people of the world and what they would think about his God. And think about the God of the uh, Jewish people. Now, the promised land. God had given them the promised land. I like the word promised land because it just simply means it's the land that God had promised. Now, God has promised us through the Scripture many, many things. All the promises of God are yea, and they're amen. So when you read the Bible, you cannot help but draw the conclusion, or come to the conclusion, that God is a God that likes to do good things for people. If they believe Him. But God is saying, I will not force myself on any of you. And you know, I, I, I really think that when, when I read about the holy city and the people who are gathered there, and there's just something that always comes to my mind, and that is, there will not be one person in heaven there by accident. You know, somebody said, oh, I just got on the wrong road and started living right and ended up here. I didn't really intend to come. Just worked out that way. No, you have to purpose in your heart, and you have to make a choice. And did you know, many times, to stick to that choice is not easy. Have you ever had trouble come your way? Have you ever had temptation to come your way? Now, I tell people when things get hard and rough, and they, they're thinking about giving up, I ask them, I said, now, if you give up, will things get any better? I haven't yet had a person say, yes, they'll get better. But I have had people say, well, I'm tired of fighting. Well, what are you fighting? Well, I'm tired of fighting the devil. Well, the thing about it is sometimes you're really tired of fighting your flesh, that your flesh just hasn't said, said yes, hasn't really committed all the way. And, you know, the flesh is something you can commit today, but tomorrow have a change of attitude and a change of heart. But it was called the promised land because God had promised them. They were to go and occupy the land. Ten spies went over into the land, or uh, ten, ten spies went over the land at Kadesh Barnea. They stated, we cannot take the land. Two spies said, yes, we can. Now, who was right? Both. Both were right. Why? Because they, they did take the land, didn't they? It was 40 years later. But they couldn't take the land then because of their unbelief. Now, you've also heard me make this statement. They, were, they just really missed, missed their assignment. They, they messed up on their assignment. How many of you students, you've had homework before and you did the wrong homework? I've had that to happen. And isn't it a kind of a sick feeling when you get in there and, and you're going over what you're supposed to have done? And you said, oh, 
I did the wrong homework. In other words, you missed the assignment. It is just, it's, it's, a, it's a real alarming thing. <laughs> and so, <clears throat> the truth of the matter is, when the, when the spies went over, uh, they were not to go over to determine if they could or could not take the land. That had already been decided. In fact, the Lord allowed them to call this the promised land. That was His idea. In other words, it's the land that God had promised. Does God fulfill His promises? Always. Without exception, always. Then what's the problem? Well, the problem was not in God's ability. The problem was in their ability to believe that God had the ability to do it. And so, when the spies went over, ten of them just simply missed their assignment. Why were they spying on the land? They were not just spying on the land to determine if the mission was possible, they were to go over there and come back and determine how we will make this work. Now, you know, when, when you just kind of change your perspective a little bit, it is amazing how your attitude changes. Have you ever started some kind of a job and you, you knew you had to do this and you knew it could be done? And, and, and all of a sudden... You, you, you just realize that hey, this is difficult, more difficult than I thought. But you understand that it can be done. And so you continue to try. I remember the first time I went over to Cracker Barrel. How many of you have been to Cracker Barrel? All right. A lot of you. So you know what I'm talking about. they got all these little games in there. And I felt like that, you know, they got these horseshoes. And they got this, this ring around this, this the chain. And so... You know, I saw people put it down and said, it can't be done. Well, I knew it could be done, otherwise it would have made it. So I said, I'm going to find out how this can be done. And so I sat there and I turned and I turned and I turned and I turned and I finally figured it out. I did it. Now, knowing that it could be done certainly changes your attitude toward the task itself. So knowing that you can take the promised land, that is just simply believing that God is the God of His Word and it can be taken, it's amazing how it changes your attitude toward it. The mission becomes a totally different mission when you know that you're going to win. You absolutely know that you're going to win. Now, I have pastored people that I was convinced that they were convinced that they were going to be lost Now, the whole problem is that every time a trial came by, they quit trying. Now, trials should make you try harder. Why? Because you know you can make it. When Jesus said, Lo, I am with you all the way, even to the end of the world. Now, that simply means that it doesn't make any difference what situation you are involved in. God has promised you that He will be with you. Will He help you? If you let Him. If you let Him. Now, the wilderness journey, uh, I am told through research that from the Red Sea to the land that God actually gave them was somewhere from a five to six day march. Maybe some people have put it up to eight days. Now, it's not a very long march, especially for people who have been laboring severely 
uh, you know, doing manual labor. They, they certainly were able to do this. How long did it take them to get to the promised land? Forty years. Why forty years? You know, Brother Andrew Cohn always gives me a report on the Tuesday night Simpson Street uh, service. And just recently, Brother Dave Punzel preached there, and he talked about people just going around in circles. He talked about road construction. I've had several people say, how do you find your church? And so we, we tell them, but everything's under construction. Sometimes it changes daily. And we had some people that, that arrived late, and they said, we, we searched and searched, and we, we did everything we knew to do. Finally, they went over to East Town and came up on Felon Road this way and back over here. Finally found it. You ever feel like they're just kind of routing you around in circles? Have you ever been lost before? They say that if you get lost, especially in a forest, and you continue to walk, and you don't know where you're going, that you'll end up walking in a circle. Now, I've only been lost one time. I've been lost momentarily, but one time in in a a large wooded area. I mean, I got big time lost. And I was just afraid I was going to die out there and nobody would ever find me, you know. Now, I walked and walked and walked and walked. It was a very gloomy day, overcast, uh, light, uh, misty rain, kind of like we've had recently. Uh, I was in a familiar area, which which I had hunted in before. Uh, I used to go hunting almost every day, and I was at home. Uh, My mom and dad were going visiting, and they, they gave me a deadline to be back here by a certain time, and and when Dad said, uh, we're leaving at 4, 4 o'clock was 4. Now, my dad was the type of person. He never told you one time, only once. That's all. So it was none of this, uh, you know, twice, three times, and, and then count to ten and, and this type. None of that stuff. I mean, one time. And, and you knew that when he said he was going to do it, you knew that he meant business. So... Uh, uh, I got lost, and of course I had a watch, and I looked at the watch, and I said, oh my, 4 o'clock means 4 o'clock, and so I'm going to have to get, I, I just couldn't, after a while I started running, well, then I noticed these, these footprints, and I, I, I looked at them, I thought, I wonder, somebody's just recently been in here, because it was misty rain, and you could tell, and I looked and looked, and you know, then you check your own shoe, and you say, hey. I wasn't through here. Oh, yes, I was, too. I had just gone around in a great big circle. So I said, well, there's no need to go in this way because I've already been this way, and there's nothing out there but more woods. Well, someone asked me when I didn't finish the story if I ever found my way out. Well, (laughs) I'm still lost down in those woods. And this is what Peter was talking about in Acts 2, verse 40. Uh, I want to read Acts 2. When Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost, he preached the first apostolic message, told the people what they needed to do to be saved. Verse 238, Then Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. Ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, for the promise is unto you. The promise is unto you. And to all, 
and to, and to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Like, like the one lady who, at her church, they, they did not stress the necessity of receiving the Holy Ghost. Some did and some didn't, but they didn't believe that every person could receive the Holy Ghost. They believed that some could and some couldn't. And so she brought a visitor to our church who was really seeking for the Holy Ghost, wanted the Holy Ghost, felt that she needed the Holy Ghost. And, of course, we baptized this lady, and she was filled with the Holy Ghost. She came up to me, and and, and she said, Now I know the secret, she said. I know why everybody in this church received the Holy Ghost. I said, Why? She said, Because you tell them they can, and they believe it. Well, it's part of the Scripture. It's a promise. Now, Keep in mind the word promise. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourself from this untoward generation. The word untoward simply means a generation of people that just walks in circles. You get no place. Now, what does it mean to be lost? It simply means you lose your sense of direction. That's that's basically it. Now, we know that ultimately, lost, according to the Scripture, means eternal damnation in hell. But it starts out with a person just, in a spiritual sense, just starts walking in circles. No definite goals, no definite priorities, just drifting from service to service. Now, let me just, let me just point something. Let me just, let me just throw something out for your thinking. If you are walking with God and you are not committed to a ministry with God, the likelihood of you being saved, I mean, it's very slim. Because Christianity is not a matter of how much you can get, but how much you can give. For God so loved the world that He gave. And Jesus gave His life. And people gave their life down through the centuries to be involved in what you're involved in. And some people just kind of drift from church service to church service. If you're not committed to a ministry, you probably will not be saved. Why? Because there's nothing that ever challenges the will or your faith. And you give up too easily on things. But when you commit yourself to a ministry... What do you do? You keep your eyes focused. You walk forward. You walk straight. You lose your sense of direction. You just go around in circles. Let me tell you something. I know what it's like to go around in circles physically. You ever feel like physically, you know, the the world, you know, the rat race? You ever felt like, man, you get up running and you you run until you, you just fall across the bed. Just run, 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 run. And you say, what did I accomplish today? A lot of that has to do with the, with my lack of setting goals at certain times. There, there are other days in which I set goals. I usually have a to-do list, and I work that list every day. If I am sidetracked, now this is purely psychological, but if I'm sidetracked and I don't get to work on my list, what I do, I write down all the things that I've done as I do them, and I check them off. makes me feel better, you know. <clears throat> Because you do have emergencies that come up, especially as a pastor, urgent things that have to be taken care of today. 
But you know what it does? It keeps me focused. It stops me from just walking around in circles. It gives me a sense of accomplishment. And so this is what Peter is talking about. He said, this, this, the people who do not accept and believe the promises of God, you need to save yourself from them. It's an untoward generation. It's a generation that just, spiritually speaking, just walks around in circles. Is there anything too hard for God? According to Genesis eighteen fourteen, this question was asked. Listen to this. Is anything too hard for God at the appointed, at the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. And Sarah had Isaac when she was ninety years old. Did you believe that? Ninety years old. She had a son. But she had a son simply because she believed God. And Abraham believed God. Now you may be faced today with something that you consider to be quite impossible. What you need to do is just change your mindset from the word impossible to possible. That with God, all things are possible. And, and you, you, you'll be surprised when you change your mindset and you start saying, God can, how much more effort, how much more faith, how much more of yourself that you project into that situation. Then it becomes a matter of how is this going to be done? I'm going to believe God because I believe that the mission is possible. Now, the thing about it is, Israel wandered around in the wilderness 40 years. They just went in circles. I mean, you can't go 40 years in a straight line and, and stay in that desert area. I mean, 40 years, I mean, you could have walked around the world several times. But they were just in a few square mile area. And the reason why... At Kadesh Barnea, the word Kadesh Barnea, in the Hebrew, it means a place of consecration. When they should have been believing the law of God, believing the promises of God, consecrating themselves to that law, they doubted. In other words, at an altar of God, they failed. Have you ever gone to the altar, and I'm not speaking about necessarily a place in the church where you pray, but... A place where you pray and you went in there just, I mean, just wagging your head knowing it can't, I, no, it's just, no, I, I can't. Have you ever prayed that way? Now, for some reason you thought you could, but, but you were trying to convince yourself. It, it, it's hard, and, and you know what the Bible says, but so you, you try to convince yourself, no, 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 I pastored a, a precious lady. I mean, as far as her life is concerned, you could not touch her life. I mean, she, she was so disciplined and everything, but she was very negative. Extremely negative. I mean, everything, honestly, I, you'd, everything I could think of. And I had to spend time every week counseling her. She's the type of lady that when you preach, every service she'll come up and she said, Did God talk to you today about me? And I remember one time, we went in the office and she made just a, a, a horrendous confession. I mean, it was just, you know. But, uh, 
she was just down and out. I said, well, you know, I, I want to help you. Honestly, I really want to help you. Have you tried praying about this? She said, yes. I said, what happened? She said, it got worse. Can you believe that? I mean, there's no way. I said, is there any way I can cheer you up? She said, I can't think of a way. I said, has God ever done any, anything good for you? She said, well, I'm sure He has. I said, what? She said, well, offhand, I can't remember. Oh. You know, pastoring is fun. You know? I went out and got in the car. Sister Grant said, what's wrong? I said, honestly, she'd make a good cover girl for the book of Lamentations. <clears throat> I can't believe this. I mean, what can I, that's what they were doing. They were just out there complaining. Going around in circles. Let me ask you this. When they finally made up their mind to go in, God raised up a new generation. When they finally made up their mind to go in, what was difficult about it? Tell me, what was difficult about it? How many casualties did they have? They never lost one soul when they crossed Jordan's River. God gave the plan to Joshua. They marched down. They, they took the Ark of the Covenant. They put the staves through the rings. They hoisted the Ark of the Covenant up on the shoulders of the sons of Kohath. And Moses or Joshua led them down. And the very moment that his foot touched the water, the, 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 the river parted. I'm trying to say Red Sea, but it wasn't Red Sea. The river parted. They marched across. And would you believe that God told them what to do? They went to Jericho. They marched around Jericho for seven days, six times, one time a day. And on the seventh day, they marched around seven times. They simply blew the trumpet. They let their light shine. And guess what happened? The walls fell down flat. They never fired one shot. They never had one casualty. You tell me what was hard about that. Absolutely nothing. They let God do the fighting for them. They made up their mind. We're tired of walking in circles. I'm going to trust God and let God part the water and let God bring them to the walls and let God bring the victory. And they never lost a soul. They just simply changed their mind about the task. God can if. Now, I have a promise to all these classes that I'll not get loud on Sunday morning because they're in there teaching something equal as important as what I'm teaching. You know, it just might be that God is trying to do something for you, and He just can't because you are too content to disbelieve and walk in circles. I've had people come in and say, Pastor, I feel like God is trying to do something for me. How long has he been trying to do this? Oh, for a long time. I said, well, why don't you let him do it? Well, I don't know what it is. It isn't necessary that you know what it is. Just let him do it. I found out a long time ago, you can't make God do anything. But by a Sunday school class, and the teacher was praying and seeking God, and, and, and I just noticed that as I listened to travail, and I believe in intercessory prayer, I believe in travailing in prayer, but... But I just I felt a direction from the Lord. I knocked on the door to, uh, to alert this Sunday school teacher. I walked in. I said, now look, your youth class is coming down here. 
pretty soon. It was not Brother Eckenrod's class. It's been several years ago. I said, now let me help you. I said, you, you're, you're praying that God will fill people with the Holy Ghost. And, and, and normally I would not do this, but I feel a directive from the Lord. Now listen, you can't make God do anything. What you need to do is let Him do it. Now, those people that you preach the gospel to today, God will not force Himself upon them. And what you need to do, you need to let God use you. You need to relax. You need the Holy Ghost to come. You need the anointing of the Lord. These people need to feel God. And, and, and while you are letting God worship, move through you, you're worshiping God, you're, you're relaxed in God, hopefully these students will do the same. Would you believe that day three young people were filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost in that class? And this teacher had, this teacher was very sincere. I, I'm not saying this because I felt that he needed correcting. That's not it at all. This teacher had counseled with me and talked with me. I was in full agreement with what he was doing. It's just whenever I passed the door and I heard the teacher in travail, the, the Holy Ghost spoke to me. I went in and I said, all you need to do is simply let God do it. You see, if you're all tied up in knots and you're worried about everything and you're trying to make God do something, why don't you sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus? See, when you sit, you take the load off yourself and you put it on something else. And sometimes we just simply need to relax and sit in heavenly places with the Lord. You know, sometimes we have all kinds of mental hang-ups. We worry about how God's going to do it. We're worrying about what people are going to think when God does it. I found this out. I, I can't determine how people react to things. And Sister Grant can tell you, I very rarely ever worry about what people are going to do. Why? Well, I spent a good portion of my ministry worrying about that. And it never has helped. And while they're out there just whistling dicks and doing what they want to do, I'm all tied up at knots at home wondering what they're going to think or what they're going to do. And it doesn't help at all. So I've determined, why should I let your problem be my problem? So I want to sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Maybe God is trying to do something for you, but you just won't let Him. In Psalm 78... There is kind of a summary of this this whole ordeal. In verse 39, he remembered that they were but flesh. That's when he was going to destroy them. And a wind that passeth away and cometh not again. God remembered that they were but flesh. Did you know, the Bible tells us, that Jesus Christ was tempted in all points like as we, yet without sin. Why did God become man? So he could view the problems of man through the eyes of a man. Why did God become man? So he could see life through the eyes of a man. Why was he tempted? To align himself with your temptation, with your trouble, with your sorrow. Why did he become sin or take your sin upon him at Calvary? So he would know what it's like to feel the guilt and the pain of sin. That's why he did it. He also became man so that he could shed his blood because God does not have flesh and bones as we have. 
So God became man so that he could see man through the eyes of a man. He would have destroyed Israel, but he remembered that they were but flesh. A wind that passeth away and cometh not again. How oft did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? Yea, they turned back and tempted God, and they limited the Holy One of Israel. Have you ever wondered what it was like would be like if you handcuffed God and God could not do anything for you anymore? Now, please, I, I want to set the record straight. There is not one person here that God is not doing great and wonderful things for. You wouldn't be alive. I mean, you live on His earth. You breathe, breathe His air. You drink His water. You eat His food. All wealth and life itself comes from God. But that's just existing. That's our meager existence. And God wants us to have more than that. God can if. What can God not do? Well, He can't get you out of your dilemma. That is, if you're in one, unless you surrender and believe it. can't do that. If you're here and you're unsaved, He can't save you against your will. Just can't. I mean, somewhere down the road, I've 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 been preaching behind pulpits for many many years, and I've seen so many people, and you know, trying to make a decision, and and they always think about, well, tomorrow I'll make up my mind. And I understand the line of logic, but the problem is that that God never can save you until you say yes. And the, and, and the reason why it's important to say yes now is because now is the time that God's dealing with you. I mean, everything about God is revelatory. You don't just, one of these days, just wake up and say, oh, I think today I'm going to be saved. I think I'll be born again. Just call up the preacher and say, hey, preach, what you doing today? I think I'll come over and chat with you a while and get baptized and be filled with the Holy Ghost. I mean, it just doesn't work that way, does it? No, 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 no. You see, no man comes to God except the Spirit draweth him. But still with God unctioning, with God motivating, with God talking, with God convicting, with God drawing, with God dealing, you still have the ability to say, don't think so. No, I'll wait. Another time. People die every day lost. Simply because they wouldn't decide. Can God save a man? Can God save just any person? Oh, yes, He can. And no, He can't. Well, it sounds like double talk. Oh, He can do it. But He has limited Himself not to trespass over the territory that He turned over to you, your own will. You must manifest faith in Him. You must believe God. I feel to stand at this time. God can if. Now we've had a good full service here. Two wonderful and beautiful songs were sung. Our praise singers did a great job leading us in congregational. 
and singing. Our young kids came out with this Sunday school in action. Isn't it? It's so precious to see these little kids. Isn't it? You know the reason why teaching for these little kids is so important? Because every day that a teacher's in the class, we're training them to say yes to God. And every time they say no to God, the devil just digs a little deeper and a little deeper and a little deeper and a little deeper and a little deeper. deeper. You know that? Man, we had some men out helping us one time. The the college kids, campus kids are going to be down Tuesday night, Happy Times Ranch. I remember them drilling some holes for me, put some posts in. This auger, there is a point, you know, you, you drill down so far and you got to pull back out. There's a point you get down and it just corkscrews down in it and you cannot get it out. You take the bobcat or something and dig it out. Well, I've had to dig out several times. I mean, it, it, I mean you're talking about when, when it just screws itself tight against the ground. And you just sit there and you see that thing going down and you just momentarily lose your composure. You, you forget to turn the throttle off or whatever you need to do. You know, that's the way it is with sin. It gets a hold on you. It drills deep inside of your heart. You know, little children should be told this. Now, I'm saying what little children should be told, but this is good for adults. If there's sin in your heart, that is something in your heart that you've not asked God to forgive you, if there's sin in your heart, there's the potential of all sin. It grows. A little leaven. Leaven at the whole lump. We, we don't understand just how devastating that sin can be to us. So, God can if you'll just make up your mind. And, and you know the thing about it is, I've, I've seen this. I've seen alcoholics. If there's anything that alcohol does, it destroys the will of a person. It just totally destroys. I've talked with alcoholics that just cry and cry and cry and cry and pray and pray. And tomorrow, they're just back in the bars, boozing it up, and they forget about God. Some of the, the most, the hardest struggles I've seen in life have been by alcoholics. But don't you think sin by nature destroys the will of a person? It by nature destroys the will. It's like that auger. It gets a start. Now, all of us have that potential of sin. But there is a time which we just have to pull the auger out and say, Oh, I've got to repent of this. You can't let this thing just... Because it binds you. Destroys your will. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever will. Now I'm going to give you a chance to come and seek the Lord at this time. From right where you're standing, you can make a decision to come and give your heart to God. Please don't wait till tonight. Please don't think about doing it tomorrow. Think about doing it right now. If you're here and you have a problem and God has talked to your heart through this preaching... Why don't you step out and come? We have Christian workers throughout the building be glad to come pray with you and minister to you. Come on, step out right now. Right where you are. Just step right out. Make a decision right now. Come on, let's give our heart to God as our praise singers begin to sing.
Come on right now. 